Thank you, thank you. Beautiful. Good morning, friends. Welcome to Mars Park United Methodist Church. My name is Zhu Yang, one of the pastors here. We're so grateful that we can gather as family of God to worship God together on this beautiful, hot, sunny, humid day. Yeah. A couple of things I wanted to share with you. Uh, if you are a first-time visitor or relatively new, we welcome you as always. We welcome all people, uh, whether it be here or online. There's the hospitality pad at the end of your pews. Uh, there's the QR code at the back of your bulletin. And of course, there's a little link for us joining us online for us to let us know who you are, how we can pray for you uh, so that we can share ministries of our church throughout this summer uh, days and weeks ahead. One thing I wanted to share with you, our senior pastor, Dr. James, how he continues his sabbatical. He will be back at the 1st of August. He says hello. He misses you, and he looks forward to being with you again in just a few weeks. I'm so grateful to be joined by my friend and pastor and colleague, Pastor Nancy. What else is going on today? It may be summer, but there's a ton of stuff going on here at the church, and you can find out about it here in your bulletin or in our publication this week at Myers Park. Two things I want to call to your attention. If you wish, we would love to invite you to support our Merry Midsummer Market. At Christmas time, we support the Merry Market and provide toys for people to buy for their families, but this summertime is when we acquire those toys to make them available at Christmas time. So we encourage you to participate in that. Now is also the time to register your children for Sunday school. As you know, we have an amazing children's ministry service here, and for them to be a part of a Sunday school would be a blessing for them and for you as well. So we encourage you to get them enrolled in that. Now let's prepare our hearts for worship.
friends here in the sanctuary and friends at home. Let's join our voices together as one voice as we affirm our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he arose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Friends, would you join me in our prayer of confession, which you will find there in your bulletin. Let us pray. Holy God, breathe new life into us. Where there is idleness, inspire growth. Where there is distraction, guide us toward you. Where there is bitterness, shower us with grace. May your love transform us, O Lord. Amen. Friends, here is the truth. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Gospel reading is Matthew chapter 13, beginning with the first verse. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat there, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. As he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they had not much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell upon thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, 
the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. That is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is he who hears the word, but the, the cares of the world and the delight in riches choke the word and proves harm, unfruitful. As for what uh, was sown on good soil, that is he who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the word of God for the people of God. So before our scripture lesson in chapter 13, in Matthew chapter 12, we read about Jesus getting into another, well, series of conflicts with the Pharisees, which is nothing new that happens throughout his ministry. And the Pharisees, as we read in chapter 12, uh, they're, they're accusing Jesus of working for Satan. They are plotting to destroy him toward the end of chapter 12. We also see that Jesus... Um, uh, seemingly has had some odds with his own family. And then we have our passage from today, and toward the end of chapter 13, uh, we will read uh, Jesus being rejected and essentially being chased out of his own town of Nazareth. And sandwiched between these series of heartbreaks and heartaches and disappointments, we find this parable of the sower as we've come to know it, a passage that speaks about soil, sower, and the seeds. I think it's um, difficult, and we've all experienced to a certain degree, it's difficult when we share, when any one of us shares what seems to be perfectly good, perhaps even obvious, and life-giving news with others, especially those whom we care about, only for such message to be rejected and even reviled. I remember many years ago uh, when I was a younger pastor, one of my friends who was a family physician, he called me knowing that I, I was serving as a pastor to just kind of bear his soul. He was in family practice, and uh, he would often say after a long day, as we kind of talked on the phone every once in a while, he said, you know, I tell my, a lot of my patients who come through the door, I tell them, if you, if you stop binge drinking, if you stop chain smoking, if you stop using drugs, like meth is bad, like meth is bad, don't do that. Um, you know, add and subtract certain dietary uh, goods, uh, walk every once in a while, drink plenty of water. All these things that are readily available for you to do, if you make these specific shifts in your life, it will add a decade of good years and you will get off of like dozen medications. And he would say this over and over again to patient after patient after patient uh, to no avail. Seemingly simple at least to his ears and to my ears, but it was so hard for it to get through. And he would often ask, what am I, what am I doing this for? I'm not seeing any changes. My patients are just as sick as they were a year ago. We all have different versions of the story 
Uh, so a couple of things. We are not alone in such frustrations and plight. We see that Jesus not only tells of this parable, Jesus lived it, lived it personally. He was rejected even by his own hometown who told him to get lost when he was trying to simply help them and share messages of salvation. So I guess one of the questions is, what makes for a good soil where the seeds will take hold and bear fruits? And conversely, what makes for a difficult, challenging soil where the seeds are rejected and rebuked? There is the path, uh, the rock, uh, the thorn, and the good soil. We see that some are eaten up, scorched, some are choked, and others yield 30, 60, and even 100 times. The traditional interpretation of this story is good and right, and I think we would do well to hold on to this. Uh, when I was growing up in Sunday school, and certainly it was affirmed when I attended seminary, this very well-known parable, uh, we learned that, of course, Jesus is the good sower, this farmer who scatters seeds. But in many ways, one could look at the sower, the farmer, and be critical of this said person. You know, why waste seeds? Spread the seeds on the good soil, not on the path, on the rock or the thorn. Focus on the right spaces and locations. But so we learn that Jesus is very much like this good sower, that Jesus is indiscriminate when it comes to sharing the good news. Jesus does not look at what we would determine to be uh, a good soil, reputable people, well-to-do folks. But instead, Jesus not only shares the good news, the gospel of God, not only to those whom we consider to be well-to-do folks, but to all people, the Gentiles, the sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, so on and so forth. And we are called then to do likewise, that we should then share the good news, not only to those whom we think are worthy of our time and investment, but we do so with all of God's people, the disreputable people, those on the margins. This is a very good news. This is a good interpretation that we should hold. Here's something else that I learned, and this might add another layer of understanding what's really going on. This past week, as I was praying and meditating on this passage from Matthew 13, I read a little bit more about kind of the agrarian culture of the first century. Keep in mind, I don't know about you, I, I grew up in the city. I never planted anything. I killed a lot of things, but I, I never was much of a sower. Uh, in the industrialized uh, Western civilization in, in America, when uh, the farmers go out, what they do is they do careful research. They make sure that the, the soil is fertilized, that pH balance is correct, and then they plant the seed as one should. That's the sign of a good farmer. But in the first century agrarian culture, for those who are hearing the, this parable read to them, uh, the, the farmer would typically cast a seed and then plow the land, uh, which means that even a good farmer, regardless of good or bad or everything in between, the farmer typically would not know what would constitute the path, the rock, the thorn from the good soil until after the scattering of the seed and the plowing of the land. Isn't that interesting? That adds a particular kind of nuance that in the first century, the farmers would not know ahead of time 
to even think about scattering the seed onto the good soil and others. In fact, the farmer would just simply have to scatter the seed, plow the land, and hope that some landed on what would be a good soil. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for you and me? Well, for one thing, it tells me that it is not our role to determine the good soil from the bad soil. That's not our job. That's not what we're called to do. Instead, what are we called to do? Uh, the good sower, the good shepherd, Jesus, the Messiah, invites us to join God in the labor of scattering the seed. Don't worry about determining whether it's good or bad. That's not our role. And here's the, so here's the new part, the nuanced part that I didn't realize until this past week. We actually don't know anyways. We wouldn't know whether we're scattering the seed on the good or the bad. Now, in many ways, it could be, the story is in many ways so very personal for me, and I imagine it is for you. All of us are here, I like to think, because others gave themselves for us on our behalf, invested in us, gave of their time, of their resource, of their, of their goodness for you. Do you think they did some sort of calculations to see if you were worth it? Do you think they knew how you would eventually turn out to be? I can tell you, majority of the people that invested in me probably had no idea that I was going to be a pastor. Yeah? I will invest in you so you don't end up in jail, Uyan. Stay out of the bars. Yeah? Uh, but here we are. We are where we are because people, so many people in our lives, indiscriminately invested in our lives, not knowing how we might turn out. They did so not out of any kind of, I don't know, intelligent calculation, but they did so out of goodness, for goodness, for us. And so we're told to do the same, to scatter the seeds, not knowing the good soil from the bad. That's not our role. We are called to simply scatter the seed, to share the good news. And we do so remembering that we too will encounter countless rejections and what others would deem to be failures. Uh, we know this because Jesus also encountered countless rejections and failures, even folks from his own town who told him to leave. Remember that rejections of the good news does not mean that there's anything wrong with the good news, yes? Rejections that we encounter when we do the works of God does not mean that our labor will be in vain. It simply speaks the reality of life, that in life there are rejections and failures even when we are doing good work, God's work, scattering of the seed. The parable knows the struggles and failures of human life all too well, and it still attempts to proclaim the immeasurable goodness of God despite the tough and relentless work that is sharing the gospel. Uh, so much of goodness of God 
comes in spite of the overwhelming odds and obstacles and setbacks. In fact, the <laughs> in fact, the parable itself gives us some statistical analysis. The success rate is what? 25%. Right? It's just kind of interesting. That I was reading a, a research from, I think, Pew Research many years ago, so I don't know if this is really up to date, but it said that in the state of North Carolina, of the professing Christians, about 23% of the professing Christians on any given week will worship. So there you go, 25%. I don't know about you, when I read that statistics, I'm actually kind of encouraged by it. I'm not disappointed. I'm, I, this is not bad. But it also shows us that work, there's so much work out there, as the Bible says, but labors are few. Work is many. Labors are few. So let's scatter the seeds. Seeds of good news. Despite these numbers, this parable is about hope and possibility. Not because of the expertise of the sower, the sharing of the love of God happens not because of what we do or who we are, but precisely because who God is and what God is doing, what God has been doing. God is an extravagant God of love, love that is beyond our control, love that is beyond our understanding, and we are told over and over again that these seeds that we scatter in the name of God will in time bear fruit, just not in our own time, just not in the ways in which we expect them to happen. So verse 19 and onward, we read some of the interpretation of what it means to be the seeds on the path, on the rock, on the thorn. It's about those who hear the word but does not understand it, uh, those who succumb to trials and tribulations, those who are tempted by wealth. And toward the end of the passage, we read, uh, essentially, blessed are those who hear the word and understand it. So what does that mean? What does it mean to understand the word? I don't know about you, but for me, and it goes in seasons, but particularly in, in my teenage, early 20s, and even now, it comes and goes. So many of us get disillusioned with our faith and disconnected from the church. doesn't mean we're bad, but it happens throughout the course of our faith journey. So much, those, so much of these things happen, at least in my own life, as I reflect on it. I think these things happen because the, the, the pace of growth of our Christian discipleship and our reading and understanding of the Bible does not keep pace with the challenges and the questions of our adult life. Right? So oftentimes it doesn't. I don't know about you, but so, for so long, the Bible was a very difficult book for me to read. Some of it seems so um, out of date. Some of it seemed not to my liking. I didn't like what it had to say. It didn't fit my cultural sensibilities. In ways of reading the Bible, this is what Eugene Peterson writes. He, he writes, it is necessary, as you read the Bible, at the same time to live them. Not to live them as a prerequisite to reading them, and not to live them in consequence of reading them, but to live them as we read them. God is inherently personal and inclusive. I think God invites us to read and to live the Bible simultaneously. It is then and only then perhaps we can gain a deeper, greater, more faithful understanding of the holy text. Understanding does not simply mean acknowledgement. 
understanding means life attuning, transformative knowledge, wisdom. And always remember, and the parable teaches us this always remember where to keep your focus. Uh, I can be so impatient, I can get so discouraged. I can get so despairing when the seeds that I've scattered does not seem to take root. When the seeds that I've scattered all the years of my following Jesus does not seem to bear any kind of goodness, it's very frustrating, yes? Discouraging. But we read in this parable that the sower does not get despairing. He accepts the reality that some seeds, a good portion of it, may not bear fruit. But the sower keeps on sowing anyways. And we are called to do the same. Knowing that this parable, this story, does not end with the seeds that fall on the path, the rock, or the thorn. But instead, the this, this story ends with what? With the seeds that fall on good soil, that bears multitude of fruits, 30, 60, 100 times even. This is a story about the miraculous works of God and the possibility of God's goodness when we join God in God's good work alongside God. I was telling at 8.30 service, and I gave him the wrong number. I told him, hey, I think we had about, uh, in ways over the charter membership from 1925, and this is a story that we've shared before. I told him it's somewhere between 120 to 140, but that's not true. I actually went back and counted the names. Uh, I'm going to do it again after this service. I counted 113 names, yeah, 113 people, charter members, 1925, and we now have 53 plus 100 members. The seeds that were scattered just less than 100 years ago that have yielded, in this case, right, right, about 47 times the yield. Imagine what God might do with us in another 100 years, right? Where God leads, we will follow. So friends, it is good that we are here near and far as we continue to join God in God's good work to scatter the seeds of God's good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to all those who hunger for it, desperate for it. We go to them, we share, we do God's good work and allow God in God's good time to bear good fruits. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us go to God in prayer. Loving God, we thank you for the ministry of this church. We remember the light this church has been in our own lives and in this community. The ministries, the mission projects, the witness of this church that has brought forth life and liveliness in our community. We thank you for the gift we have been to one another. We remember the people who have poured into us, the teachers, the mentors, the pastors, who shaped us and formed us in Christian love. We recall the saints who have gone before 
yet whose care and influence are still so present. Lord, in your mercy. We thank you, O God, for your provision that never runs out. We attend to your call out of scarcity and into abundance, as well as your assurance that we can depend on you, the God who provides. We notice that our community has so much need, and we trust that you will provide the way for us to meet those needs when we follow your voice. Help us to get past our judgments and assumptions so that we can scatter your seeds of goodness and abundance. Lord, in your mercy. We thank you, God, for the gifts you are nurturing among us now. We notice the work of your spirit among your people, bringing forth gifts of compassion, justice, care for children and youth, warm spirits and kind and encouraging words that can go so far. We are learning to celebrate the gifts we have rather than despair of the gifts we think we ought to have. Lord, in your mercy. We thank you. We thank you for the dreams you give us dreams of a new reality where all people can thrive as a community brought together in love. We welcome your invitation to imagine how God-given abundance could transform our city and our world. Your kingdom is good and beautiful, even when it feels daunting. Gracious God, we give you thanks for all you will do among us. Lord, in your mercy. We thank you, Jesus, for the ways you guide us into new expressions of your love in the world. We grieve for the ideas and ministries that gave life in the past that we now set aside to make room for new imaginings to take root. We rejoice that you continue to journey with us as we imagine a new reality into being, because we know nothing is impossible with God. So now we, your people, join our voices and pray the prayer of the resurrected one, your son, by saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, as the ushers come forward, now is the time in our service for our tithes and our offerings. This is a giving back to God, and we thank you for your generous gifts that enable us to be a church where we can come, we can worship, we can gather more seed to go out and spread. So friends, let us give with joyful hearts.
Loving God, we give you thanks for your generous gifts to us. We return them to you so that they may be used for the building up of your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. from this place with God's peace. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore.